Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps people like to listen to? You know, Spotify, Anchor, Apple, etc., etc. How do I make money from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free. Who doesn't love free? And ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. That's right. Free platform, free sponsorship. What more could you ask for? So if you've always wanted to start a podcast, make money doing it, etc., go to anchor.fm slash start, anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. Once again, that's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Please get started. It's all love. This is a great space for the creative Anchor podcast. Once again, that's anchor.fm slash start. Hello. One, two, Mr. Robinson. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. Ignorant Intelligent Podcast. We got you here live. You know, I know you was having some difficulties, <laughs> but it's all good. Um, okay. Can you can you go ahead, man, introduce yourself to the people to introduce your business? And, you know, we're going to jump right into it. Okay. Um, Nissan Robinson, the real estate expert. I'm the broker and owner of Reach Realty Group, located here in Michigan in the Metro Detroit okay. area. We're a top 10 selling brokerage of our real estate property. I'm the author mm-hmm. of Save Room for Real Estate, a guide to making millions in the real estate industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I own a nonprofit, the Gentleman Club, giving back to inner city boys, you know, who are fatherless childs and people who just need more guidance. Wow, that's incredible, sir. You know, b- before I, I jump into um, asking about the real estate, can you just dwell deeper into the nonprofit? Because coming from the inner city as well, I'm, I'm born and raised here in Detroit as well. Can you just talk about um, getting to that position of affluence and then coming back to the city and coming back to these young men and showing them that it's another way to lead, another way to think, and another way to be in terms of a career uh, and just the overall being a, a man's man? Absolutely. Well, I, I, I feel like it's your obligation if you come from poverty and you are successful as a minority, especially an African-American, uh, mm-hmm. the African-American man, you know, to go back and, and, and help because, you know, uh, a lot of us don't get to see positive role models. So we we are going to not by nature and by law, we're going to you know, uh, try to do what we see. So if we see a successful person with a nice car, you know, we don't care how they got the nice car, the nice clothes. Like, <laughs> we, right. uh, you know, do we emulate what they do. So if he's a drug dealer, we're going to want to sell drugs, you know, because we want these nice things. But if you can see someone with the same nice things and they tell you, oh, no, I'm a real estate broker. You know, I flip houses, you know, I wholesale houses. I'm a realtor dealing with real estate. Some form of say, oh, well, that's what I want to do. Because, you know, uh, people just don't really get to see that. A lot of times we, we stay to ourselves. Once we're successful, we yes. don't go back to uh, help, you know. And so, you know, it's a it's a me, me, me thing. You know, I got mine. You know, you figure out the way I figure it out. 
So yeah, and I, and I think personally, uh, just speaking for the youth, I'm 26 now, but just speaking for the youth and and getting into mentorship myself, I think a lot of people just try to hide. You know, they try to hide the success. They try to hide uh, what their career path is from 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 the kids. You know, and I don't know why, because if anything, it'll instill confidence and reassurance in the kids, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree. And, and what, what inspired you uh, to start the, the nonprofit and uh, to help these young men out and, and help them see the vision? Well, what inspired me, to be honest with you, when I realized I was a millionaire, you know, when I, 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 brought, I talked to uh, a financial experts and started, when, when you get money going to... A, a, a different realm of uh, you get financial, you know, uh, advisors and different things like that, and they break down okay. your assets, your houses, and, and I always thought to be a millionaire, you have to have a million dollars in cash, you know. So I just, mm-hmm. you know, like about three and a half years ago, if I didn't have a million dollars in cash, I wasn't a millionaire. Forget all the houses I own, forget like, the cash I got in my bank account, forget right, all the money. equity and assets. I, <laughs> I just, you know, when you. You know, when you know better, you do better. I didn't know, to be honest with you. I just felt I needed a million dollars to be called a millionaire. And then after talking to financial analysts and, and, and people sit me down saying, you know, you own six houses. Okay. How much they worth? Okay. How much equity you own? I own this. You own uh, Reach Realty Group. Uh, how much did y'all make over the last three years of profit? I tell you, oh, well. And they say, all right. So your net worth is, we got you at this. I'm like, wow. I'm like, wow. Seriously? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. right. Because like, if you wanted to, you could go sell your company for this amount. I'm like, wow, I didn't know that. If you wanted to, you go sell them houses. They run a property, giving you passive income. But if you want to, you could sell them and get this. And you, you, you know, just added everything. And, and I, that's when I truly found out how you get a net worth. And I think a lot of people don't understand how net worth really run. They, they see people say, oh, Puff Daddy's worth $700 million, And you think he got $700 million in his bank account. That's not how it works. <laughs> it, how it works is right. sold off everything he owned every shoe every belt every dish you know every business every everything here every stock every bond every real estate and you, you take that number then you deduct all the liabilities he have whatever numbers left that's his net worth and i said oh that's the way it works so that's why mm. i got to learning how you calculate people net worth and i think especially in the urban areas i think a lot of people believe when they hear you know these people net worth and you, you they say oh you know, Jay Z's worth nine hundred million. You think he got nine hundred million dollars sitting in right? Liquid. liquid. It's not liquid. <laughs> not liquid. That's his net worth. You know, he might Jay Z might only have a hundred million dollars in the bank, but be worth nine hundred. You know, it's like, but why sell off all these things if they're making him more money? You know, your money. Be honest yeah. with you, having liquid money is really not good. You know, because you know, yeah, talk about that because our people are so like. I like where you're going with this conversation so far because a lot of our people are financially literate. We already the financial literacy at home. We already didn't get the financial literacy in our 12 years of, of public school education. And then when we graduate, we, we still get into the collegiate realm and, and are misguided when it comes to financial principles, financial goals, and financial literacy as well. If our parents didn't educate us and our school systems didn't educate us, then yes, we look at the Puffs, the Jay-Zs, we look at the guy on the street, we look at that as real value when in actuality, the value is in that knowledge that you just spewed, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you, you know, I I just really felt like, man, not enough of our people um, 
because number one, I think a lot of our people are just visual learners and, and have a visual concept and sure. want to manifest that. And when it comes to manifestation, you have to see things and, and you know, get a concept of, of certain realities in order to manifest your own reality, right? If you see the guy with the nice car and a beautiful wife, he's driving and he's in a big house, you know, you, you see that and you want to emulate that. You want that. You aspire to that. But if you've never seen that in your home, you've never seen that in your family, it almost seems sustainable, you know? So can you sure. talk about your upbringing a little bit and the adversity you faced to get to where you are now in terms of uh, responsibility, uh, not only financial literacy, but just having some kind of moral principle and value towards your life now, uh, knowing where you came from? Okay. Well, I was... Uh raised on Detroit East Side and the 48205 zip code and if anyone wants to know about a, a, a bad area just google the 48205 and see what comes up and that's why I was raised <laughs> at that right but I was raised like I say a, a single mom you know fatherless child and you know the typical you know ghetto stories I, I can say them all I've, I've came home and the lights was out I came home and you know water was off you know I, I've, I've had you know uh shoes where the sock thing came out the bottom because it was holes in them you know what i'm saying like i can relate to to poverty you know i you know like every level of poverty i can relate to now i'm pretty sure some had it even worse than me and compared to their stories i, I was living a lot of luxury but you know things some people never real, know how it feels to come home and your power is out and they cut it off because y'all can pay the bill People don't know how to come home. It's no water because y'all couldn't pay the bill. You know, I remember the, uh, we got to a point a couple of times we'd get used to the water man coming and turn off the water. He get to turn it. We filling up pots and pans of water. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, he about to turn off. So we got some drinking water. So I went through that. I went through the 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 dilapidated schools where, you know, ran down and they, it pretty much is a pipeline from a school to prison. You know, they teach you, of course. you know, uh, more to go how to prison, you know, and not to go into the working world, you know. And yeah, so, from middle school to high school, definitely. Exactly. So, them was the schools I went to all the way up until my sophomore year in high school. After my sophomore year in high school, uh, uh, my mom ended up uh, going back to school and becoming a nurse. And from a nurse, she became a nurse anesthetist, making good money. And, she, and I was the be, I was the youngest of all the four, you know, of my mom's children. So when she started to make good money, she was able to say, OK, great, I could pull you out of this school that was at the time. They don't, it's no longer exists, but it was Finney High School for those who've been around uh, Detroit. You know, it was Finney High School. They tore it down, you know. So I, mm -hmm. he took me out of there and I ended up going to Gross Point North. She rented an uh, apartment, you know, in the district so I could go to that school. And I'm talking about night and day. That this was the biggest transitional period of my life, because that's when I actually seen people with wealth, with wealth. I was going to school with kids, parents who own, you know, businesses, you know, people who own stocks and bonds. I remember someone said my dad owns, you know, one percent of Coca Cola. So just imagine that, you know. And I oh my god, exactly. Imagine going <laughs> to their home on Lakeshore Drive. And this is back in the day. Yeah, this is like this is like '96. 97, 98, and 99 in three years. You know what I'm saying? And so and I ended up playing basketball. And so this is what allowed me to go to their homes because we was on a basketball team and we and we did like team dinners. And so I, I went into like 
a mega mansion off Lakeshore Drive. Anyone in Michigan know in Gross Point is one of the most prestigious suburbs. Yes, one of the that's that's a beautiful district. Period. period. I don't care from homes to schools to businesses, restaurants. That is like one of the most prestige areas for sure, for sure. Exactly. And and out of Gross Point, one of the most prestigious areas is Lakeshore Drive. That's right off the water. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got to see money for the first time. I, you know, I'd never seen it. To me, before then, money was to do with the Cutlass on 20s. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Who had Cutlass, you know, candy painted, you know, on 20s. That was money to me. Then I got to see a house, you know, that looked like all the houses on the whole block. If you put them all together, this is the one house. And, you know, like an eight-car garage and just stuff like, like just wowed me. Like, wow. People actually live like this. So I got to put that yeah. in the universe, you know? And so that what made me want more. And then I started to understand, you know, the school system, how it was night and day from where I came from, how really important school was. And so from that day, I, I never really took school really serious, but I started to take school very serious. Give a quick uh, uh, rundown. When I was in... Uh, uh, yeah, Finney, take your time, my man. Go ahead. Yeah, when I was in Finney, I was getting terrible grades. I mean, like zero point like four, zero point eight. Then after this, this shows you how you're a product of your environment. Cause I was around a lot of knuckleheads, and we really was trying to survive. To be honest with you, you know what I'm saying? Cause you're around the gang mm-hmm. bangers, you're around all this, you know, stuff. We got to be a tough guy. If not, you you pray. You know, they're gonna be stealing your shoes and stuff like that. Definitely starter jackets and exactly, all. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you had to show you the tough guy, so people wouldn't try you. And then in the process, showing you was a tough guy, you wasn't going to class. You know, so. I was taken out of that environment and put in an environment where you didn't have to be a tough guy. You just had to turn in your homework, you know? So I said, wow, I can actually learn. And the uh, three years I was there, you know, every year you get four uh, card markings. So that's four, eight, 12. That's 12 card markings. I don't 12 card markings. It was only two that I wasn't, I, I didn't have a 3.0 average or higher. Where I didn't make honor. So that, that's, mm. that, that's, I could testify that you are a product of your environment. Well, I was in an environment where, you know, it was terrible and, you know, a lot of things and circumstances was presented to me. I didn't excel in school when I was put in a school. And this was a school, keep in mind, one of the top rate ranking schools in Michigan, you know. So, you know, I mm. could realize it was challenging. I, I stayed on honor roll pretty much the whole time I was there. I ended up being on the basketball team, becoming uh, the basketball captain. And basketball took me off to college. Because I initially went off to college. I, I, I never thought about going to college, to be honest with you. Never thought about going to college. It was when I played basketball, I started to get good. It was like, oh, this is what you do. The next level is college. So that's how I even went to college. So after I graduated high school, I went to U of D uh, to play basketball. You know. Okay. They, they still nice too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> It didn't work out after my freshman year because that's when I realized when you go uh, uh, to play college basketball, the politics involved is so real because these head coaches is making six figures and million dollars, millions of dollars. So it's all politics involved. These guys want to secure their job. So it was too much for me. So I pretty much, to be honest with you, I let basketball go after my freshman year. And I transferred from there to Eastern Michigan. Originally, I transferred to Eastern to play basketball, to, to tell you the truth, but it didn't work out there. So I just literally gave it up, but I didn't give up school. And so I stayed there and I ended up uh, finishing out, you know, uh, my bachelor's there. And I got my bachelor's in communications and business marketing. And so uh, that's where I got my bachelor's degree. When I came out of there, I uh, came uh, 
back home and I got a job as a manager at Renner Center. And uh, it was great. I appreciate the opportunities they gave me, but it was just once for me. And so mm. I end up get, being introduced to real estate by my sister, my older sister. This is in my book. She introduced the whole family to real estate. She started buying rental property. And I didn't know really about real estate at all, to be honest with you. And she, and she said she got to a point she had about 12, 14 properties. And she knew I didn't uh, like the job I had. And she said, hey, I'm looking for a property manager. You could come property manager for me. I could pay you. I'm like, oh, wow, say no more. You know what I'm saying? And I left, you know, a center and I started uh, property managing for her. And that's when I started to learn real estate. And I did that for about six years before I said, uh, wow, I think this real estate, I really want to jump into it. So I started doing my research. And this is when uh-huh. I this was literally my my, my uh, testimonial day, my, the day where things really say, okay, I, I'm about to do real estate. It's when I learned 80% of the world's millionaires got their funds out of real estate in some form or fashion. I scratched my head. I said, hold on, 80%? And I said, hold on. So you mean tell me that 20% is, is, is the NBA players, the NFL players, the baseball, the hockey, the actors, the singers, you know, all, everybody else falls into that 20%. And everybody else falls into the 80% is real estate. I said, oh, no, I'm about to submerge myself into real estate. And so that's what I did. So I ended up going to real estate school to become a realtor. And I, I, I said, okay, I want to own a real estate company. And so when I was in real estate school, I learned that you got to be a realtor for three years, sell a certain amount of houses. And after you sell a certain amount of houses, you have three years been full time. You can go back to real estate school and, and go to real uh, broker school. After you pass broker school, you could be a real estate broker. You could open up your own real estate company. So I did just that. I, I, I uh, got my real estate license, went and worked for a real estate uh, 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 brokerage. And I went and uh, I interviewed with three brokerages. When I interviewed with two of them, I interviewed with the office manager. When I interviewed with one out of the three, I interviewed with the actual broken owner. And so the two, ironically, they offered me more a bigger commission split, you know, than the uh, the uh, it was. I interviewed with Century Twenty One, Keller Williams, and a traditional realty. Everybody, the well, majority of people who know real estate would know uh, the the commercial names of a Century Twenty One, of a uh, Keller Williams. Keller Williams, for yeah, sure. Exactly. But people, no one really knew who traditional realty was. I didn't know who they was. But okay. what I, I, I was thinking that the end in mind. So Century 21 Keller Williams both offered me a 730 split with me getting 70% of every deal I get. Traditional realty offered me 50-50. Every deal, I, they taking 50%, I get 50%. I'm like, I don't even know who you are. Why are you trying to take more money? But I thought about the end in mind, not the, uh, the upfront. I, so I went back and I asked the broker, I said, okay, I'll come aboard here, but this is what I want to do. In three years, I want to actually open up my own real estate company. So I want you to mentor me, not as a realtor, but as a real estate broker. And I want you to have an open door policy with me where I could come and ask you any questions that, you know, you're doing like, okay, Michelle, what you doing right now? You know, Michelle, uh, how did you resolve the issue? Michelle, how do you balance your books? You know, so everything was a broker and he agreed. So I took the pay cut and I went to traditional realty and uh, an average mm. agent sells in a, in a uh, uh, first year, literally two to maybe three houses. I sold 23 my first year. Wow. Yeah. The average, as, a, as a broker? No, this is as a, a, a realtor, just as a realtor. Wow. This is crazy. This is <laughs> my realtor, my realtor uh, 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 years. 
You know, the average when a realtor get their uh, license the first year, the average between two or three sales that first year. I did 23. The average uh, sales of a realtor period is eight to ten in a year. So think that in mind. That's regular. After you have years, oh years, they only doing eight to ten. <laughs> I did 23 my first year. After my first year, my second year, I did over 40. And every year since then, I have sold over 45 houses a year myself. So after my three years, I said, okay, it's time to go to broker school. So I went and enrolled in broker school. And broker school was challenging, to be honest with you. You know, here it is. I got a college degree. I didn't went to college and got a degree. And, you know, uh, I wouldn't say I had a couple of challenging uh, uh, classes, I would say. But by far, broker school was the most challenging. They make it so you got to know real estate forward, backwards, sideways, ups and down, all around. You know, you got to know your stuff because you ought to be having people working for you and people going to be coming asking you these questions. You got to know how to answer them. You got to know how to, you know, tell people what they can and what they can't do. So uh, I end up passing my broker school and uh, I said, okay, you know, it's time to get it. You know, I started my company and uh, the, uh, the end of 2013, uh, you know, like I October, November, uh, 2013, and uh, opened up, I uh, went and got a, a brick and mortar, you know, actual place, you know, uh, in January of 2014. So that's when I really credit the launch of Greek Realty Group is, you know, January 2014. And uh, <clears throat> when I first started off, I'm going to be honest with you, I had a couple of months where it, it, it didn't go so well. You know, I never questioned myself if that's something I should be doing, but I, I, I just looked and said, oh man, this ain't for, this ain't for the faint of heart, you know, just be starting a company. <laughs> right. You got to be prepared for some 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 bad times because you know when you run a, a business and you go and get a brick and mortar business, you got you got all these bills. And one thing about it, you know, bills they don't care if you had a great month, they don't care if you had an okay month, they don't care if you had a bad month. They're like, I don't care. Pay me your rent due. You know, you had a good month, great. Your light bill due. You had a bad month, who cares? You know, your 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 gas bill due, your insurance on the building due. You know. You know, paper and ink, you know, lots of so many bills you have and, and they, they do not care nothing about your numbers. But luckily, I was blessed to have two of uh, my closest friends. Uh, one transfer was a realtor transfer uh, from traditional realty with me to uh, start and launch the company. And another one, you know, I actually told him to go to real estate school and get his license. So essentially us three was the, you know the catalyst for getting the company started and moving. And uh, through the years, you know, more and more people joined the company. And now it's like 14 of us, you know, at Reach Realty Group, you know. Mm. And so I just essentially doubled myself. I taught both of my good friends exactly what I did to sell 40 plus houses a year. And I doubled myself in. My one buddy started selling uh, uh, 40 plus houses. You know, then my other buddy started selling 40, 40 plus houses then. I, the agents come in, I started to uh, teach them what I did, and they started to sell, you know, 30 plus houses in. People started to take notice, like, hey, these guys sell a lot of houses to be so small. And more and more people started to come aboard, but I was selective who I brought on because it had to be people I thought could understand what I was doing, had to hustle and a drive to do it, you know, because this is mm -hmm. something that's just, it's nothing easy. You just gotta be a hustler and want to hustle the right way, you know? And so, uh, God blessed me and gave me really good people, really good people. And, you know, we end up uh, getting into the top 10 in 2016. 2016, no, actually 2017, excuse me. 2017, okay. we broke into the top 10. 
and we was ranked with home soul that year when the year was over we finished seventh in the top 10 and we was the smallest brokerage in the top 10 and the only minority broker in the top 10 as well then wow. yeah, in 2018 we went down from seven to six you know and so now this year we're looking to crack and be in the top five you know and we're still the smallest brokerage in the top 10 and still the only minority brokerage in the top 10 you know yeah and what you what you mentioned earlier something that's very important when it comes to not only business but with me when it comes to life and i spoke about this recently you know i'm i'm one of those guys just cut from a different cloth in terms of you know how i was raised <clears throat> so if i do any kind of business or want to go into any business or you know just need mentorship or guidance I want to build a relationship with you first. You know, I need to know what you're about. I need to know what you stand for. I need to know, like you just mentioned, you know, what is your hustle like? What is, what is your beginning, middle, and end game uh, on the basis of our relationship dynamic? You know, is it strictly business or, you know, I, I need to know what, you, what your hobbies are. I need to know who you are as a person all the way around, right? Because you don't want to bring nobody in into your company like you have if they're not focused. They're not dedicated. They don't have a goal. They just want the money or they just see an opportunity because you're a minority and it's like a lookout thing. It's like, no, you know, we, we, we're building legacy. We're building something, you know, to pass down to our family. So I need the people who I'm uh, around or who's around me to be driven, to be focused, to be dedicated to something more than just a check, you know? So I think that's very important what you just said, man, because not a lot of people be selective about who they have around them, not only in business, but in life. And you just got 14 to 15 people with you and you guys are focused. You stayed strong. You stayed with the process. You have people who were willing to listen, you know, and trusted you and didn't look at you like, oh, just another black guy. Oh, I'm, you know, just, just try to fit you. Put in half the work or half the effort because you are you are who you are. Because I know my people can be like that sometimes. Correct. You know? Correct. So, um, let's go ahead and, and, and dwell into these questions. You know, can you uh, go ahead and talk about uh, renting uh, versus owning? You know, renting, renting a home versus having actual home ownership. Okay. Well, home ownership is the key to financial wealth, to be honest with you. Because when you own a home, if you can own a home, and when I say own a home, your, your whole goal should always be to own a home outright meaning you don't have no mortgage on it and no, there's no uh, land contract where someone still has a lien on your property where the only thing you have to pay for is the taxes on the home, the yearly taxes. Because once you do that, what you can do is you can keep your mental as if you still paying a mortgage. If, you know, and you can take every month that same 800 to $3,000 you're paying, whatever amount that you was paying to the mortgage company or your landlord, you can put that in a, a, a bank account to the side and you look yeah. up if, let's just say, let's use an easy number, let's say 1000 Okay. If you did that for a year, you got 12000 off to the side. Two years go by, you look, you got 24000 You can take that 24000 and go buy another house and rent that house out now. You keep doing the same thing in a year now you got uh, another thousand that you've been saving acting like you paying rent is twelve thousand but you that rental property you know they was paying you a thousand too so you just double so now your 12 is twenty four thousand in, in a year instead of two so because you got a rental property paying you a thousand so now that twenty four thousand that took you two years to go buy a rental property now you could do that in one year 
and you go buy another one the next year. Now you got three of them. You still paying paying yourself, acting like you're paying a mortgage, and you got your one right. property, or property paying you a thousand. You got another one of property paying a thousand. Now you got thirty six thousand dollars in a year. Now you could go go buy two rental properties and save uh, uh, save twelve, and then now you 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 got four. And in that, in that amount of time, you, you if you get where I'm going with it. <clears throat> Yeah, I got you. you yeah, keep, this is you those keep, numbers, man. Exactly. The numbers keep doubling, and in a short amount of time, you're, you're able to do more. Short amount of time, you have to do more and more. You look up, you got 10 houses, and you own all these houses outright. And you look up, <clears throat> the market then went up in that same eight years, you know, when you were buying them when it was low. The market always go high and always go low. You know, typically every eight to twelve years the market fluctuates. You go up and down every eight to twelve years. So okay. that, pro- uh, that process, hopefully you got in when it was low. Now it's high. You go and uh, get a realtor if you're not a realtor and you ask, what can I get for these ten properties? And your realtor looking at you like, I, I can sell this one for 80, I can sell this one for 120. This area really went up. I can get you 200 for that one. I can get you 50 for this one. And you do the math and you look like, oh my God. Sheesh. You almost hit a meal just off, you know. Let me let me let me tell you something, man. That's so important what you said, right? Or, or just in between everything. It's time. Right? Our people don't have a concept that uh of, of patience. You know what I mean? Like you really have to stay patient. In order for anything to be successful and our people you know i don't care if it's any business or life in general think everything is supposed to come overnight or they're skeptical of a business if, if, the, if the profit don't turn out a year or two like these kind of things in order to build leverage in order to build equity and, and whatever asset you have it takes time you know and that goes back to what i was harping on earlier this isn't just about you this is the longevity uh, of your real estate properties and your withholdings in order to give it to somebody else and then you give them the knowledge along with the estate, you know? Correct. Yeah, man, like, you're giving a lot of game right now, man, because not a lot of people don't even know the difference, you know, between or how to own a home. A lot of our parents uh, or generations really never own homes for real or was never really taught uh, real estate, period, how to buy a house. What do you need to buy a house or the intangibles, the steps, you know. So can you go ahead and just talk about uh, having a land contract versus a, a lease wealth option? Okay. Well, a land contract is a mortgage. A land contract is a mortgage. It's, but instead of you going getting a mortgage from, say, your bank or your credit union or Quicken Loans, uh, 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 a lender like that, the seller's actually giving you the mortgage. The seller is mm-hmm. okay. okay, I'll finance you. Put this amount down and pay this amount over these years, and it's yours. But if you don't pay that amount, you renege. The, the homeowner comes, the previous owner who's financed you, he he foreclosed you on, on you just like any other mortgage company. So a lot of people don't understand that a land contract is a mortgage. You still have a mortgage. It's just instead of your uh, a person that you are uh, entity, you know that you're paying is a. A lending institution, you know, like a Comerica Bank, uh, a Bank of America, okay. Cargo. It's just the, the owner, the owner. That that's that, that's who's banking you. But you yeah, still never knew that. You still <laughs> own the home. That's a good thing. You still home. You still in the process of getting to home ownership, and that's still good because you ultimately a whole end game is to get where you uh, you own one home outright. 
So if you buy that one home online contract, and let's say line contract is for five years, after five years you own a home outright, that's good. Because now you can then over the next two years do what I said, act like you still paying that mortgage and save that money to go buy another one when you rent it out. Then that cycle happens. The worst thing you could do is be a, 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 a renter. And the reason why is this. I had, a, 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 when I was property managing, one of the properties I was managing, you know, uh, for my sister, the lady moved in in 2008, 2008. And she rented that house. She was paying 800 a month. Okay. She, wow. she lived, she just moved out of that house last year. She lived in the house 10 years. And this in particular house, <clears throat> my sister paid 35000 for it. My sister ended up selling the house last year as well, and the tenant moved out. Now, she paid 800 a month. 800 times 10 is 8000 so that's 9600 bucks. So, I run off to say easy numbers. Let's just say it's $10,000 a year my sister made. My sister made $100,000 off that tenant for the 10 years she was there. That tenant bought that house. My sister paid 35000 That tenant bought that house for my sister three times over. And that tenant, when it was all said and done, had to pack up her bags and move out and leave that house and didn't have not a dime of equity in it. My sister made a hundred grand off the house and then the market went up. She turned around and sold the house for 60 grand. Do you see why being a, a renter is the worst thing you could do? <laughs> yes, sir. I'm listening to you. This is, you know, this information is, I, I mainly I got you on the platform because, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm part of that millennial age demographic. And a lot of us, you know, are getting to those ages where, we are buying homes or we are interested into buying homes instead of, you know, the apartments or renting out a house or, you know, a lot of people, you know, due to the economy and how things are uh, staying with their parents. So they're trying to figure their budgets out in order to buy, um, you know, could you just talk about uh, the importance of young people investing in home ownership versus investing in, you know, anything leisure or expenses that, that don't really matter, that don't bring you any kind of equity in general, specifically speaking on just the young folks. Okay. Well, for young folks, what they got to uh, do, and uh, I'm going I'm to speak overall for young folks, what they have to do is understand that you want to purchase uh, assets, not liabilities. And, li and, and, the and the easiest way to know an asset from a liability is assets put money in your pocket. Liabilities take money out of your pocket. Real simple. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, being young, you want to buy a lot of liabilities because that's the cool thing to do. You know, go buy the new Jordans. That's a liability. It took money out of your pocket. It's, not, it's no way them Jordans going to put money in your pocket unless you are a sneaker flipper and you buying sneakers and going to sneaker conventions and you buy them for 200 bucks, some for 350. You could turn that now into an asset, you know, but outside of that. Just buying some new Jordans and say, oh, you know what I mean, Jays, I got, I got all the newest Jays. You're buying a lot of liabilities. They're not making you no money. They, they just depreciate every time you wear them. You want to go buy something that's going to appreciate in value, something that can make you money. Go buy you a pin, a, a gumball machine. Go buy your gumball machine, go into a barbershop and ask the barber, hey, you mind if I sit this off here off in the corner? I guarantee you, some barber shop owners going to say no, but you're going to find that one and say, I don't, I don't mind. And you go and you fill up with gumballs and you once a month, you go and get your quarters out and you refill it. You go look, you're making money. That gumball machine that you bought that cost you three pairs of Jordans now is an asset making you money, put money in your pocket, not taking it out. 
So you can be an entrepreneur on a lot of levels, you know. A lot of people think you need, you know, a million dollars, hundred thousand, fifty thousand. Yeah, the, the misconceptions. <laughs> exactly, you're an entrepreneur, you don't. You can go buy a gumball machine literally for three hundred bucks, and you'll be an entrepreneur. Take that gumball machine, go sit it in a, a beauty salon, a barber shop, and you're an entrepreneur now. Every month you go fill up with gumballs, take the course out, you're making money. And on top of that, you are making what you call passive income. The, 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 if you're not making passive income, it's like 99%, you know, uh, uh, that you're not going to get rich because you fall into the category of inheritance or a mm-hmm. lawsuit or a lottery to become a millionaire. The only way you could get to becoming a millionaire is having passive income. You got to be able to make money in your sleep. If you're not making money in your sleep, the odds of you becoming a millionaire is, is so against you. If you have to always be physically uh, uh, present somewhere to make your money, the odds of you become a millionaire is slim to none. You got to be able to be sleeping and making money. When you go to bed, you're worth this amount, and when you wake up, you're worth more. And, uh, and ways to do that is have passive income. That gumball machine is passive income because he's not at that barber shop when people put a quarter in and twist it and get a gumball, but he's just making money off every time someone did that. So guess what? When he's sleeping, he's still making money. He could go home and take a nap. Guess what? And, and, and during that time he took a nap, four people bought gumballs. His net worth is higher than when he then when he before he went to bed. You know, and it's other ways like when you get uh, to a higher level, and that's being a landlord. When you're a landlord, you gotta understand. Let's just say tenant pays you a thousand dollars a month. You break a thousand dollars down to how much that is a day. Then you break huh. it down how much that is an hour. Then you break down how much that is a minute. Then you make break down how much that is a second. You literally every second are being worth more money. This conversation when you have, from the moment I started this conversation, when I hang up, my net worth is going to be higher than when we started, because I own real estate, uh, real estate rentals. You see what I'm saying? I own a real estate. Yes, sir. You know, so right now, well, you know, I, every second I'm talking, my net worth is going up higher and higher. You know, it's going up higher and higher. I have passive income, so you want to get to where you have as many passive incomes as possible. You see what I'm saying? If you okay. own a, a, a company and you have people that work for you. You're still making money because on your off day, your company still got people working. You're making money. You're still making money. So you're making money in your sleep. So when you have a gumball machine, you know, like I said, you're still making money. It's a lot of ways you can still make money, but you have to find ways to make money while you not being present. Like, okay, for example, you can you can literally start an online business and, 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 mm-hmm. and have a link with another a whole uh, a distributor where it's uh, 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 what they call a, a print on demand, you know, where you can make something, t-shirts and you sell them and you uh, you connect it to a, a, a company who actually uh, print them out and put your designs on them and they won't make not one of them until the order is purchased. So you sleeping and somebody online, oh, I like this t-shirt and this brand. I buy one and they get the order. They take the money. They print out the t-shirts and ship them to the person and give you a percentage of that. You're making money in your sleep now. Now, you know, you're getting passive income. And all you need is one of them, one of them passive income to really take off and you're a millionaire. And, and the more of those you have, the more opportunities you put yourself in for one of them to take off and you become a millionaire or, or, or for all of them to do really good, you add, you add them all together and you're a millionaire. But you gotta, mm. gotta buy passive income, things that's going to put money in your pocket. And you need to be making money while you're sleeping. You know, if you're not making money while you're sleeping, it's going to be very hard for you to be a millionaire. 
Yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna be dreaming of being a millionaire, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, could you also talk about the importance, uh, not only in real estate, uh, but just being financially disciplined in general? You just talk about the importance of uh, cash versus credit. <clears throat> now, this is the thing. What I've learned is this with discipline, and I'm gonna tell everyone this. You have to, as you start to save your money, because if you you go back to when I was saying you act like you're paying yourself and you save your rent like a thousand a month to the side, you have to mm-hmm. have discipline. And you know, the only way you can save money is to live below your means. That's the only way to save money. If every month you you don't have more money than you had the month before, you're living above your means. And if every month you're saving money, you're living below your means. So you want to try to live as low as the lowest possible below your means without not living, you know, quality life. You know, you don't want to be, yeah, I'm going to live in the dark and with no DTE because I want to save my money. You still want to have a quality life, but you just want to make sure that, you know, you're saving something, you know. Yeah, prioritize. Exactly. Now, what you have to do as you start to save, because as you start to save, you start to go into different uh, 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 financial brackets that you're going to be introduced to. And, you know, the first time you say your first 10 grand and you look into your bank account like, wow, I got $10,000. You want to have discipline. You got to have discipline. No, don't run out and just go buy a new car. Don't run out and go buy, you know, you know, uh, a Louis Vuitton purse for your girlfriend, things like that. You have to learn how to love the fact that what you could do, you got to love the, the power that you possess that if I wanted to, I could go buy my girlfriend a Chanel purse. I could go buy me, you know, uh, uh, that that car I see on the car lot for ten thousand. You know, and as you grow, you're gonna see more and more things that you can buy. And you look in your bank account, you got twenty five thousand, you got fifty thousand, you got a hundred thousand. As you keep growing, you got to keep having discipline because the more it grows, the more things presents itself that you can actually buy. And you gotta have the uh, 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 the 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 what's the word I'm looking for? You gotta have the the restraint. You gotta have the restraint to know I'm not about to run out and go buy a Bentley so I can show up to everybody like, oh, I got a Bentley, I got a Bentley. But I'm gonna feel confident and feel good knowing that if I wanted to, I could go to the Bentley lot and buy a Bentley right now. Yep, how much <laughs> it? Give it to me. You know what I'm saying? But right. I'm not gonna do that because that's a depreciating asset. Once I drive it off the car lot, it's a thirty percent of value just drop boom i left it you know in the, in the car lot driveway 30 percent. and for every mile i tack on more and more of, of the money is just getting thrown away so why why do that to impress who you know so you, what you have to do is just be confident and, and find the happiness as you save and you go and get in higher higher tax brackets and you look in your bank account and you see more and more money you have to find the comforting and knowing what you can do but not actually doing everything and what I say is this. This is what advice I tell my gentleman club people. I say, as you grow, <clears throat> this is how you know if you can actually afford something or not. You got to mm-hmm. look at the analogy like this. As you have money, when you have $5, the board of life green dots pop up. You could go buy your hot and ready pizza if you want. You could go get you a McDonald's burger if you want. 
you know, you can go get you a candy bar if you want. There's things you could go do. But you want to save that $5. Then guess what? When you save and you look up, you got $20. More things light up. You could go buy a video game now if you want. You could go buy a t-shirt if you want. And along with them saying uh, uh, pieces and candy bars, you buy all that stuff too. Then you have $50. More things light up. Now you could go buy a skateboard if you want. You could go buy, you know, a a, 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 a a helmet, a, a new basketball, more things like that. Then you got hundred dollars, more, more things in life light up. And then when you get to you got thousand dollars, more things in life mm. light up. So when you get to when you got ten thousand, so many things light up. If you want to take a trip to Jamaica, you can now. You know that's an option. You know if you want to, you know buy you a car, that's an option now. Then when you get to having fifty thousand, if you want to go buy a house, that's an option. It's lit up now. If you want to go buy, uh, you know. Uh, take a, a trip to Africa. It's lit up. You know, you get to hunt out. The more life, everything's keep lighting. The more money you get up, the more options you have. There's more lights that's green where you can actually push this button. Mm-hmm. I tell them, this is how you know if you go for some money. If you push any button and it makes all the other green uh, uh, lights go out, you can't afford that. <laughs> right. So if you push that button and it take away so many green lights, you can't afford that. So if you had... $10,000 and it's a car you really want this Mustang. Oh man, it's only three years old and they want 10000 for it. It's drop up. It's 10000 I got 10000 But you give them that 10000 you can't buy hot and ready pizza no more. You didn't just took out right. all the Afro, you didn't just took out all them green uh, lights. You put all your equity into one thing. Exactly. Put all your eggs in one basket, especially with a depreciating what with, with a depreciating asset at that. Exactly. Car. So that means and I've seen that, that like I seen that working working a plant job for a while. Like I remember when as I quit my job in December, but I remember some years back when we first was getting our couple of raises, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> and people was going out and getting new cars. You feel me? And I had my little shooter still or whatever, they joking on me. But an older cat uh pulled me to the side. You know, I've always had, you know, great relationships with older people and I always took heed to them. And uh people just always come to me to talk anyway. And he said, yo, young blood, you know, I see you, you know, I see you in your car. It's all good. You know, the stupidest thing a nigga can do is go and buy a new car, especially working here. You can't, if you can't buy that car outright, what you buying it for? And to hear what you just said right now, just like brought an epiphany moment. Like people put value on things that aren't valuable, exactly. you know, and then, and then when things get tight or it gets rough, they looking up. You, now you can't sell, you can't sell your car. Don't nobody want that car. <laughs> you know, you, you can't get the value out of it that you once purchased it for because it appreciated. Like you said, as soon as you get it off the lot, as soon as you got to change a tire or something go out on it, like it just keeps depreciating, you know. And I think people just need to value themselves so that they can see uh, the value in assets. They can see the value in ownership and entrepreneurship. And I think a lot of these things, and I'm sure you can attest to this, it really starts with your mindset it really starts with the way you think the way you behave your habits your rituals the things you your day-to-day you know how you move that goes along with the business practice that goes along with the real estate that goes along with you know flipping online businesses it's all about how you carry yourself and on top of that your perspective on what you value very true very true you know and uh can you also talk about um as a, as a first-time home buyer, uh, what should you look for when buying a home, you know, buying your first home outright instead of renting like you just alluded to earlier? Uh, what should a first home buyer be looking for 
uh, in terms not only just the property, but the real estate company, the agent, etc. Okay. If you're a first-time home buyer, you want to get a, 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 a real estate agent, you know, to work with you. And before you get a real estate agent to work with you, you need to, one, go and get pre-approved if you're doing finance. Mm-hmm. You got like your bank and your credit union or someone and approve you and say how much they want to loan you. And if you're not doing that route, you're paying cash, you need to know how much cash you have. And if you actually have enough cash as you purchase a home. So after you link, have that, you go to a realtor or a real estate agent and you tell them, I have this amount of cash. I want to buy a home or I have this pre-approval. I want to buy a home. After you have a, a, a real estate agent, the best advice I could tell you is because <clears throat> this is your first home. So you want to you want to make the best bang for your buck. But you want to find the best neighborhood you possibly can and get the worst house in that neighborhood because you mm. can fix up the house. You can't fix up the whole neighborhood. OK. See, a lot of times people like finding the best house and they'll take the best house in the not the best neighborhood. And when the market goes up, the best neighborhood's values go up higher than a neighborhood that's not the best. So this house might be nice. So for give you a quick example, you a first time home buyer. This home, let's say you got fifty thousand, you approved fifty thousand, or you got fifty. Okay. This house is move in ready, needs nothing. You can move in it, but this neighborhood is uh, it's not that great. But you got to do nothing. But it's another neighborhood. It's a good neighborhood. And this house is 50 grand, but you got to go and paint. You got to put pipes in there. You need a furnace. You need a hot water tank. You know, you, you got a couple of holes in the wall. You got a patch of drywall. I would recommend you buy the house number two. <clears throat> because when you buy the house number two, after you fix those things up, you know, your home is going to be worth way more than house number one. And when the market steadily rise, that house number two is going to rise way higher than that house number one making your equity making you way more money so when you mm. come time to you want to sell that house number one if the real estate went up house number one they, your realtor saying oh yeah i can get you eighty five thousand. you just made 35 grand house number two your realtor saying hey i can get you 185 you see it's a yes, big sir. difference it's a big difference and i've seen this happen it didn't happen to me with property <laughs> okay well, i've seen properties my portfolio i bought i say wow this one only went up this amount. This one went up way to this amount, you know. And so I said, okay, that that's what you gotta do. Don't go for, you know, the the just the house. Go for the neighborhood first. Buy the neighborhood first. You know, the house second. So I would tell mm. them to when they looking for na- uh, uh, to buy their home, look at the neighborhoods and ask your real estate agent what neighborhoods do they feel uh, have the highest potential of growth and value when a market goes up or appreciates in value and go with that house. Mm, wow, what a gem, man. That The irony in that, you know, you're looking for a house when you really should be looking at the value of the neighborhood, the value of the community. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah, that, that's important, man. You know, a lot of us don't have this knowledge or don't really know. Uh, thank God for the internet now where we can... Um, you know, go and search for the things we want to be aware about uh, and utilize that to the best of our abilities. You know, it's really no excuse not to know anything or learn anything or get in touch with somebody who can teach you something in regards to that lane. And uh, what you what you're giving me now, man, is just a lot of game because like I was, you know, referring to earlier, a lot of millennials are coming from families where 
you know, home ownership, even how to go and rent a house or how to fill out a form to put deposits down. Nobody know these processes. No one is aware uh, of how to own or how to get things and attain things, you know? So I think it's very important, uh, the work that you're doing, not only the author of that book, but you're, you're putting that same value, right? You're building value within not only your company, right? Big or small, it doesn't matter. It's all about your efficiency, and you you teaching the young men and the young women in your program that hey, right? You want to you want to add value to your life. Get knowledge and add value. Get around people who add value. Get right. around people who can teach you something so that when you get taught it, you can teach it to your comrade. You can teach it to your brother and sister, just like your sister took you up under her wing after she seen you struggle and try to stay afloat. She said, hey, let me teach you something. It may not pay a little bit, but you know, take a chance with me and I'll give you the game. And you soaked it up, right? And you went and found another mentor. You went and took, you took a chance on yourself because you said, hey, I'm not looking at right now. I'm looking at five to 10 years from now. And that's <clears throat> very important when it comes to us wanting to build legacy and us wanting to sacrifice to get to the next level. It's all about patience, persistence, and, and adding value, not only about what you're putting your energy and your time into, but who you're around and what you uh, what you put in your leisure time and leisure energy into as well. Because we all know our vices, our hobbies, uh, the extras can really be a detriment to the longevity of our successes. You know, um, so before we, we go ahead and wrap up, could you talk about uh, landlord responsibilities versus tenant responsibilities uh, in regards to, you know, renting out a home or owning a home? Okay. So, uh, tenant responsibilities, well, when we're in the property, it'll be in a lease. Uh, in our lease, it'll state the tenant has to typically, it'll state the tenant has to cut the grass, shovel the snow, uh, keep the home, you know, uh, 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 clean, uh, mm-hmm. uh, don't, uh, don't do anything to the property that changes the structure uh, of the home without the owner's consent. So you can't go in knocking down walls and I want the kitchen bigger. You know, yeah, you know, typically that's in mm-hmm. like 99% of leases, you know, but it's a tenant's job to, to, you know, maintain the home as if it was their own, you know, and you can't just not cut the grass, not shovel the snow because that's a liability for the uh, landlord. If someone's, you ain't shovel the snow on slips and fall, they can sue the owner. So mm. those are tenant responsibilities is to maintain the overall home you know, uh, condition. Now, the landlord's responsibility is to maintain all the structural conditions of the home. You know, meaning make sure that the uh, the water is working. Tenants say a pipe bust. You need to go fix that pipe. Make sure you know the pipes are, are working. Uh, the furnace went out. You know, he needs to come in fix that furnace or install a new furnace. You know, the hot water tank went out. Landlord mm-hmm. needs to put a new hot water tank in or fix the hot water tank so the tenant could have water. You know, if it's a, 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 a roof hole and it's a hole in the roof and water's coming in from rain, landlord needs to repair the roof, you know, so it's not water's coming in. Everything stru- everything structurally in the home, that the, the things that it can't do, if it's ever a problem with that, it's the landlord problem to actually fix it. As well as it's landlord responsibility to pay for the taxes on the property, yearly taxes, the insurance on mm-hmm. the property. Uh, uh, the, uh, back to the tenant real fast. The tenant has to have what you call renter's insurance. So if anything happens to the uh, 
a property, let's say it's a fire, all their personal belongings will be insured and an insurance company will cut them a check for it. The landlord got to have insurance. So if it's a fire, the insurance company cut the landlord a check to fix the structural of the home. You know, put a new roof on it, new windows, whatever the case, if the home is brick and the home is vinyl side and it's burned down to the ground, then they'll uh, literally get a real estate agent to go out and say how much, you know, uh, do a BPO, a broker price opinion, or how much they feel the home was worth mm. and they cut them a check for that amount. So those, wow. you know, for the most part, the responsibilities of the landlord and the tenant. Yeah, a lot of knowledge, man. A lot of knowledge today. You know, before we go ahead and end, you know, could you just go ahead and shout out your social media, uh, the name of your book and organizations once again, uh, before we go ahead and wrap the show up, man. Very special guest today. Yes. Uh, once again, I'm Nissan Robinson, the real estate expert. Uh, I, I'm on YouTube with Nissan Robinson. It's spelled N-E-S-A-H-N, Robinson, R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N, Nissan Robinson. And I'm on Instagram, Nissan Robinson. And uh, those only the two uh, platforms I have. For uh, I got my book. It's called Save Room for Real Estate, A Guide to Making Millions in the Real Estate Industry. You could get that on barnesandnobles.com. But you really mm-hmm. can get it on any. Because the deal I have with, you know, the manufacturer, you know, is linked with everybody. So you could go on target.com. Uh, Amazon, all of that. All of that. <laughs> Type in save room for real estate, a guide to make a millions, and it pop up and you can buy it. I would say to go to Barnes and Nobles because they have it the cheapest for sale for the $9.99 that we suggested. If you go to Walmart and Target, they'll be there. You can buy it online, but it'll be for a higher amount, like $13.99, $14.99, different prices. So if you want the cheapest, do mm-hmm. that. And uh, I do the Gentleman Club. Uh, for those who have uh, young kids that wants to be mentored, you know, uh, you can uh, reach me at Reach Realty Group. Give me a call and I can uh, add in, you know, slots. I typically every year try to add in no more than 10 only because I got to keep finding bigger and bigger places for us to have, you know, as we keep growing. You know, I can't just instantly have 4,000 kids. I don't have a place for 4,000 kids, you know, right now. Right. So I got to grow, grow, add in kids slowly. But for those who do want to apply, they can call 248-395-6885. Uh, at Reach Realty Group and ask to speak to Mr. Robinson and I can uh, educate him on, you know, how many slots I have available. Yes, sir, Mr. Robinson. I appreciate your time, your knowledge, man, all just the assets of knowledge, you know, because that's where the true wealth lies, not only with you as an individual and us as individuals, but with our community, with our families. We have to find out what brings us equity, what brings us, you know, uh, tangible passive income, etc you know just things of that nature man you know i really appreciate you everything you just gave us today because we need to inspire the youth to be better uh we need different images of our people we need better uh character characters of, of people to come back into these neighborhoods and teach us things and, and make us aware even if they don't attain certain things at least they were aware of it to attain it so uh once again mr robson i appreciate everything you've done for the podcast today and for the audience. And I look forward to building with you uh, offline as well, getting some content information, man, chopping it up, how to get into that book game and even into the real estate industry and knowing some ins and outs. So I appreciate everything, man. Thank you uh, for being a great guest today. My pleasure. All right. Now you have a good one.
right. Well, all right. Yeah. This ain't no podcast, it is a broadcast. Yeah. Yo, this the smartest and dumbest you ever heard. Intelligent and ignorant, you heard it first. Sipping on this brown with a brown skin. Cognac and caramel skins with time beard. Who you love, who you hate? Well, let's talk about it. The hottest topics, and best believe we ain't going gothic. Hotter than the tropics. You looking forward, you know we got it. See the bigger picture, no microscopic. We the livest. Know you tuned in. Yeah, we know you tuned in. Nothing but a G thing. All we missing is juice and gin. Tying up the loose ends. We ain't asked for your two cents. Special guests every single day, and still no new friends. Calm down, youngin'. I know you see that we running. I promise that this ain't nothing compared to what's really coming. Andre, I ain't talking 3,000. I'm talking drumming off the glass when I dunk it. It's geese. Just say you love it. Ah, uh, this that ain't the red issue, like, yeah. Getting G on the mic, one, two. One, two. This that ignorant issue, like you know, sports, social commentary.